Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to Zion's Redemption Radio Network. I'm your host, Mark Lichtenwalter. Today we're going to be reading Chapter 3 of Reincarnation, Reasons for Believing, and then we're going to get into Chapter 2 of a book called Teachings of the Doctrines of Eternal Lives. I'm not going to do a reader program this morning. I'm just going to read it straight up. Uh, today is Tuesday morning, the 15th of November, 2022. I actually went and got a shot in my spine yesterday, and uh, I have uh, two bulge discs in my neck and one in my my back, my upper back. And uh, I got a cortisol shot in my spine, and I have been in pain for a long time, and uh, the pain is, like, mostly gone away for the first time in a very long time. But that's where I was at yesterday, so that's why I didn't release a podcast yesterday. But I'm going to read this. It's uh, 5.15 in the morning before my family gets up. Anyway, we're going to be starting on page 19 for those of you who are reading along, and the link to read along with me will be in the description of the program, uh, the podcast, or uh, blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon, or the podcast on iTunes is called Zion's Redemption Radio Network. We'll just get right into the reading today. Chapter 3 of Reincarnation, Reasons for Believing Reincarnation moves in a circle, the gospel in an ascending spiral. Evidence and Reconciliation by Witso, 1960, page 369 There are a multitude of reasons why people have claimed a belief in reincarnation. Some of the major ones being, number one, it explains the inequality in people's lives relating to time, location, and conditions of of their birth. Number two, some people die too young to have enough temporal experience. Number three, it gives everyone a chance to live longer on Earth, or I would say an Earth, Um, Number four, it gives everyone a chance to correct serious mistakes and to live a better life next time. Number five, nearly everyone eventually can reach heaven, nirvana, or exaltation. And I would add number six would be a reason that God showed me. So this isn't in the book, 
I don't know if Ogden Kratt knew about this or not, but I'll tell you what God told me when I studied out the possibility that reincarnation could be a, could be a true doctrine. At that time, I didn't know that Joseph Smith had actually taught uh, that reincarnation was a damnable lie, but he also did teach there was something which was kind of like reincarnation. Like, reincarnation would be the perversion of the true law of multiple mortal probations. Now, he didn't coin that term. I'm not sure who did. But before I ever knew about that term, I was studying out reincarnation. And because we're supposed to study things out to the best of our ability, right? And all truth is Mormonism. So I wanted to know when, when I wanted to know one way or another whether it was right or, or wrong. Because there's some places in Scripture that it seems like like there's a case for reincarnation. And we'll get into that like in this program, this series that we're working on right now. But I studied it out and I found a really good uh some really good evidence, which I've talked about in past radio programs recently in this series, so I won't get into it too much. But I found this one really good case and I said, Heavenly Father, this is this is like the best evidence I've ever seen for reincarnation and I believe it. I completely hundred percent believe it because what I do is I go to God after I've studied something out and I come to a firm conclusion so I'm not double-minded about it. And then I take it to the Father as a little child because I know He is my Father in Heaven um, will not lie to me like like parents sometimes lie to their children. I know He's not going to lie to me. And I said, Heavenly Father, this, this is... This is I believe that this is a true doctrine. And he told me that this specific individual uh, that had these experiences where he remembers a past life, he remembers people um, on an aircraft carrier in a specific airplane that he flew in a past life, and they went to this reunion for these World War II vets that were uh, flyboys on this aircraft carrier. And he, this kid, knew all these people by face. He knew their names. He knew them personally. And I thought this was the greatest evidence. And Heavenly Father said, no, he was not that person. He was a ministering angel to the person that he remembers. But he is not that person. But he told me that there was more to it than that. And he also told me that, uh, he said, there's a great secret that I'm going to reveal to you now. He said that when we die and we go through the process of being resurrected, that we're damned in a state of resurrection unless we're exalted. But in order to advance, we have to put off the resurrected body when a new earth is created. So John in, in the book of Revelation saw a new heaven and a new earth. Well, that's a mystery. Like, why is there a new earth? This one uh, becomes a fire of seeing glass. There's another earth that's created. 
it's in the book of Revelation, in the back of the Bible. And he told me that when that new earth is created, that we put off our resurrection if we're not exalted and go in the spirit form and we we go on to another earth and another mortal probation to gain more experience for a higher resurrection. And when he taught me those things, it opened up a world of insight that I had no idea existed. Like everybody on the earth, everyone, whether they are in positions of power or in the greatest poverty, they chose before they came into mortality to go into those situations for the experience so that they could grow and gain a higher resurrection and more experience and that we come back multiple times many, 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 many Earths over the course of the eons. And that's why it talks about having eternal lives because we come back and we gain a new resurrection and then if we choose to, we can go on to a new Earth with a new mortal body and have the experiences that we need. But we also travel as family groups. So part of the part of this information for me, um, now I received this information back in 2011, 2010, 2011. I was single. At that time, I did not have a wife. I did not have kids. Since then, my wife has had, well, she had two, two kids before I met her. They were um, six years old and three years old, and now they're 13 and 17. Uh, one will be 14 in just next month. And the other one turned 17 in September. And we have a nine-year-old girl who is my daughter. And a seven-year-old girl who is my daughter. And we would have a five-year-old boy who would have been my son if he would have lived. And then we have a three-year-old boy who is alive and who is my son and we have a two-year-old daughter who only lived for 13 hours and then she died and having this information also opened up these insights that I was in the shower one time and I was just mourning over the loss of my first deceased son and Heavenly Father told me that he wanted to stay with us as a family group. That's why he is my son. Um, and then this would apply to my two-year-old as well. But they were not ready to come back into a, a mortal probation on an earth. But they came down to get bodies so that they could remain with us. Because there's a tie 
that comes with having a body in mortality. And that that helped me understand, even though it didn't decrease the pain of losing two children, but that decreased the pain that I was experiencing and and the the question why. So that's one of the questions that people really struggle with when they have children who have died or siblings who have died at an untimely time or maybe even parents or friends that shouldn't have died and they died. The question is why. It's always why. Um, that it helped me to understand why from my children who have died. So, um, but Heavenly Father told me that there was more to it than that. So I think that there is a case for limited reincarnation, but I'm not sure. I think there is a case for it. And we'll get into those things. Um, but Heavenly Father hasn't revealed to me more, the more that he was talking about. So I accept what he gave me, and I will study it out more. The one thing that I think is really interesting about this, though, is before I ever knew that um, Joseph Smith taught about mar multiple mortal probations, somewhat in the King uh, Follett discourse, but also... In his last lecture, he was trying to get out enough, like, really deep doctrine. And uh, it was in June, I think it was in June of 1844, before he died, he attempted to deliver a sermon, and we call it the lecture at the Grove. It's the last sermon that he gave, but the rain came uh, halfway into a sermon and we never got the rest of what he wanted to share with us, which is fine. I mean, he did give us a glimpse into what he was ready to talk about, but um, it talks about these things um, more than any other place. And then the scriptures also talk about it. We're going to talk about that in this series of programs. So if you're interested in this subject, stick with me and we'll talk about it and you can read along with me. This uh, information that Ogden Kraut put forth is actually really good and uh, it'll help open your eyes to a new possibility of something that most people don't really understand or know about. Anyway, continuing on. Besides these reasons for wanting to be born again, there are many spiritual experiences or unexplained powers that have caused people to believe that they have lived before and will live again. It is interesting to consider some of these. Clairvoyance. Clairvoyance is the ability to see things which are not visible to the normal eye. It is a second sight or an intuitive perception. We're on page 20. Personation. I'm pretty sure I'm not saying that right. Let me see here. Okay. Anyway, a person often gets thoughts, impressions, or some ideas that he or she has the same ideals, characteristics, or personality traits 
as someone in the past and therefore must be the same person. Idiosyncratic skills is in a sense or seance or a preparatory state. A person will demonstrate an unusual skill, knowledge, or technical ability. Historical recall is a person a person is influenced by something that makes him believe that he has some he has somewhere makes him believe he was somewhere before in history association ties this can occur when an individual listens to something or some magnetic or influential speaker associate with his previous life and he himself becomes desirous to have the same experience I would wonder if that would also fall under this thing that this kid excuse me this kid did um, where he he knew people like specifically the names of people who they were like just going back to that thing that that I thought well maybe reincarnation is a real thing because of all of what I had studied, but this one specific one was the kicker for me. Anyway, continue, continuing. Manifestations. When people delve into religious or spiritual realm, they often become influenced by visions, dreams, and manifestations of angels, spirits, or departed relatives. Congenial deformities. Deformities, birthmarks, or physical defects may be similar to another person who has lived previously and so the conclusion is that he or she is the same person reincarnated telepathic impressions these are impressions that something is happening to another person who is a greater or a great distance away and Zeno Glossy I guess that's how it is X-E-N-O G-L-O-S-S-Y. And this is the ability of a person to speak a language which he has never learned before. Page 21. Hypnotic suggestion. This is the popular condition which is used on a stage for entertainment and is even used in some medical treatments. Hypnotic regression is sometimes practiced in trying to help someone deal with past problems. Crypto amnesia. I think cryptomnesia, I think. Um, according to this theory, a person would somehow have known another person and explained incidences, places, or persons related to him, and it can include the ability to write or know another language. So that kind of sounds like it goes along with what the evidence that I found that I thought was real evidence before God set me straight. Extrasensory perception. This is when a person is aware of something that is happening or will happen. Genetic memory. This occurs when alleged memories are previous lives through the subject's ancestors are recalled and one remembers what happened to his forefathers. Telepathic links. 
some indic some incidents of people recognizing other persons form a previous a link to previous lives deja vu actually i think deja vu is kind of like we are going to this is what my explanation is of deja vu before we read the definition i believe that we look at what's going to happen in our lives before we come onto earth basically what's going to happen and it may not be specific but it'll be like this is the course your life is going to take and when we have deja vu it's kind of like god telling us we're on track we're where we are where we are supposed to be at. and there's some leeway and flexibility in there for certain things to happen but there's a course in our life that we are going to take before we come here it's not just thrown down onto an earth willy-nilly like there's a path that we're going to go through and i believe that we see that path before we come into mortality and that when we're having deja vu it's kind of like marker stones or way markers so <laughs> i'll tell you um i wanted to be in the air force when i was a little kid and my stepdad was in the Air Force, and my grandpa was in the Air Force, and my grandma was in the Air Force, and it's kind of funny. Um, my grandparents, um, my step-grandpa was in the Army, and then he was um, in the Air Force. <laughs> my stepdad was actually in the Navy on an aircraft carrier, and then he was in the Air Force, and my dad, my stepdad, my other stepdad was on the forestall in Vietnam when they had that big fire. Well, he was in the Air Force. Let's see, my grandpa was a Marine. My grandma was a Navy nurse. So I wanted to be in the military, right? And we used to play these game. I used to play these games when the computers first came out. And it was like an airplane game. And I had to go to waypoints or waymarkers on my path to my target, whether it was a spy mission or whether I was going to bomb a specific facility or something in this military aircraft game. And I had to follow these waypoints, and I'd get to the waypoints, and then I'd set my new course uh, to come in a certain way to a specific target. And so that was when I was like, I don't know, 12, 13, 14, and um, I love that game. I could spend hours and hours on that game, but anyway, it it gave me a frame of reference for waypoints. Like, okay, I can do a lot of things in between waypoints, but I always had to make it to the specific waypoint in order to continue on with the mission. And I think, I think Deja Vu is something like that. Like, we can do a lot of things between waypoints, but there's a course in our life, and that when we have de deja vu, it's kind of like God telling us, or maybe even just our spiritual remembering of, yeah, I've seen this before. I'm on, I'm on target. I'm on path. This is the way life is supposed to go, and, this is, and I'm, I'm where I'm supposed to be. That's what I think deja vu is. Anyway, here's the definition. People have a sense of being in the same place or or doing the same thing as before while in the very same circumstances. Okay, so it's just kind of like you 
you recognize that you've done this before or you recognize these things or this seems very familiar that's deja vu anyway spirit possession and communication a common source of impressions revelations and power used in taking over a person's mind or body multiple personalities are sometimes attributed to this and then fraud and vivid imagination um, this one is a common source for most seances and supernatural experiences and accounts for many demonstrations of reincarnation. So we're on page 22 now. Sometimes people have unexplainable and mysterious experiences which lead them to conclude that they have lived before and will probably live again. Herbert W. Armstrong collected some of these unusual uh, incidences and I love Herbert W. Armstrong but he is not LDS um, but he he's got so much I think his I think he has an LDS background because I see a lot of similarities there um, but anyway he's he's passed on now and his church split and one of them, I still follow them, they're called the Worldwide Church of God. And, and I don't agree with everything that they say, but there's a lot of really good stuff that that church teaches. But it comes from this man, Herbert W. Armstrong. Anyway, uh, quoting him, there are, a pub there are the publicized cases of, such as Br Bridie Murphy, who had never been to Ireland and yet who spoke with an Irish accent of a place called Cork, called in Cork called the Meadows, where she had reputedly been born in the 18th century and lived until her death in 1864. Or Dolores Gay, a Virginia housewife who claimed to have been murdered in Germany a hundred years ago and who under hypnosis could speak German though Dolores J. had never been exposed to anyone who spoke the language. Many other accounts have been compiled where previous existences have been recalled, usually under hypnosis. For example, one man suffering constant migraine headaches supposedly revealed under hypnosis that he was an officer in the Air Force during World War II and had gotten drunk and walked into a whirling airplane propeller that cut off his head. A check of official military records revealed the death of, in 1942 of just an, such an officer with exact serial number given under hypnosis. And that's what Herbert W. Armstrong uh, published in the, uh, his book called The Spirit World, which is published by the Worldwide Church of God, page 22. The logical, actually, i got to say this. Like, if you want to know about the Worldwide Church of God, you can look them up on the YouTube. They do teachings all the time. And uh, they're interesting. I, I just, I really enjoy them. So anyway, continuing on. The logical conclusion for these people is that they must have lived before, but let's, let's consider 
some other possible possible explanations for these experiences as well as in the five reasons listed at the beginning of this chapter. Number one, reincarnation had a great deal to do with the conditions and length of one's life and mortality. Number two, the spirit world after mortality provides a further opportunity to both repent and progress. Number three, one mortal life is all that is necessary to receive the highest exaltation. And, like, I don't know why anybody would believe that. One mortal life, like, you just have to come here and live a specific time and be involved in one specific church and maybe you're born into the covenant because you were so good in the pre-existence but this is your first go around and there will be never any go around after that and it doesn't make any sense to me god is going to give you the blessing of being exalted it's not just a checklist of things that you do like there is not enough experience in one mortal probation to get you to a godhood level whether we like it or not I believe that we have to come down on the earth probably millions of times like an eternity is an everlasting thing right so like we spend what 6,000 years in an earth cycle and maybe come down on an earth once for maybe up to a hundred years or something like unless we come before like before a flood happens and the atmosphere is different because there's water protecting us in the atmosphere from the radiation of the sun and we live to a thousand years or whatever but for the most part most people after the flood lived maybe a hundred years maybe a hundred and twenty you know, and by the time they get to my age, I'm 45, like, their body's starting to break down. You know, I have um, degenerative disc disease, and it's just basically old age. That and the fact that I've worked my body so hard in this lifetime that I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with old age, even at the age of 45, and it'll just continue to get worse. So, like, I lived... You know, all the way up to... Well, actually, I've been dealing with these pains for 20 years. And part of the reason for that is because of accidents that I've been in. But also, there's been other things that have caused me problems earlier in life. But anyway, I'm just saying that, like, we come onto an earth for 100 years in mortality, and then we think that if we check all the right boxes that somehow we're going to receive an exaltation when it talks about eternal lives it means just that that there are eternal lives this is not the only one the pre-existence wasn't wasn't just one you know so we have the pre-existent and then we have uh, the mortal probation on an earth and then we have um you know, after life and resurrection, but there's more to it. There's always more to it. And God hasn't shown me all of the more to it that he did, but he did tell me that there's more to it. Anyway, let's see here. <clears throat> Excuse me, we're on the last page now. This is page 23. And this is point four. 
other spirits can enter our mortal bodies and can be or can reveal all kinds of information pertaining to the past, present, and future. That's interesting. And number five, spirits in the pre-existence in one way or another could be allowed to become very familiar with individuals who lived on earth before they themselves had their turn on earth. This memory of these lives could be recalled when the veil becomes thin enough. So that's what I was talking about before. Like this individual that God told me about that I was like, hey, this is like awesome evidence here that reincarnation is a true principle. I was convinced of it. And Heavenly Father set me straight. He said, no, this individual was a ministering spirit to that individual who was in mortality. And the reason he remembers the things of the past life is because he was there. But he was not in a physical body when he was witnessing these things. But he was there. He was helping that individual go through their mortality. Anyway, so that is the end with the exception of this one last sentence. These and other explanations will be taken up in subsequent chapters. And then the next chapter that I'm going to come to is chapter 4, A Direction or a Deception. And that I'll start on page 24, which you can read before I do. Um, I'll put the links in the description of the podcast, uh, which is blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon, or on the iTunes podcast at Zion's Redemption Radio Network. So, all right, well, that's not too bad. 33 minutes long. And then the other, um, the thing that I'm going to put on next is called the Teachings of the Doctrine of Eternal Lives. And I think that recording, which I did the other day, I think I did it on Friday. I think I did it on Friday. Actually, I know I did it on Friday. Anyway, I think it's like 50-something minutes long, or maybe it's an hour and 10 minutes or something like that. I don't remember. Um, Excuse me. But it's time for me to go wake up my family. Well, it's... 5.51 in the morning on Tuesday, November 15th. So, um, they kind of worked out. But the next part that I'm going to play in this episode is the recording that I did on Friday, which is Chapter 2 of the Doctrine of the Teaching of Eternal Lives, which this book, um, a specific individual uh, let me have access to this book when they found out I was doing this book on reincarnation in the series and somebody compiled it anonymously and they published they it's unpublished um, but it's like fully developed and basically what it is is a compilation of sayings of church leaders in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from Joseph Smith all the way up into Spencer Spencer W. Kimball, and then there's some stuff by Truman Manson and Dallin Oaks and different more modern uh, leaders of the church and what they've said about these these interesting things. And 
it's very interesting. And it is excuse me, a longer book. <clears throat> excuse me. A longer book than this reincarnation book that we're reading now. But um I've decided that I would like to try to read both books at the same time because the information is so good. So the the first book is kind of like an introduction into reincarnation or multiple mortal probations. We'll talk about the scriptural evidence for it and the doctrinal evidence for it and um, try to look at like how this doctrine was perverted early on and that the... Uh, the doctrine of reincarnation is actually a perversion of the doctrine of eternal lives. And we'll talk about those things. Anyway, thank you for listening, everyone. And uh, we'll get on to the next portion of the program. If I do see that anybody has... Um, if I do see that anybody has... Um, called in, I'll, I'll uh, bring you into the call screening room, um, I have to do these, I can't do them just as a podcast, I actually have to do them live, just because of the way that everything's set up, and, um, <clears throat> so if somebody does call in, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring them into the call screening room and see if they have anything that they want to ask me about religion or whatever. But, uh, and then if you want to come live on the air, you'll have to wait until uh, between the separate recordings. But the guest call in number is 917-889-8827. That's 917-889-8827. Okay. All right, this is Chapter 2 of Eternal Lives, are the teachings of the Doctrine of Eternal Lives. And once again, we're doing one page at a time on the videos for the YouTube account, and we're doing one chapter at a time on the podcast. Chapter 2, Revelations, Joseph Smith. It is not wisdom that we should have all knowledge at once presented before us, but that we should have a little at a time then we can comprehend it. History of the Church, Volume 5, page 387. For I deign to reveal unto my church things which have been kept hid from before the foundation of the world, which things which pertain to the dispensation of the fullness of times. Doctrine and Covenants, section 124, verse 41. And I just have to say about that, um, if the saints had been obedient in building the Nauvoo Temple, God would have revealed so many things to us. He would have given us the fullness of the priesthood. He, re he would have restored the times and seasons. All of that's in section 124. But because of the sloth and disobedience of the church in Nauvoo, not Joseph Smith, but the saints, God with, withheld his, his knowledge from them and the fullness of the priesthood. Um, Brigham Young um, claim to receive the fullness of the priesthood in uh, fullness of the priesthood in the red brick store, but Jesus Christ said that the Most High or the Father had to come restore it in the temple. So take for that what you will. Anyway, continue reading this book. There are many things which belong to the powers of the priesthood and, and the keys thereof that have been kept hid from before the foundation of the world. 
They are hid from the wise and prudent to be revealed in the last times. History of the Church, Volume 4, page 209 and 210. And that's what I was saying before. Like, these things are given to those who seek them, but they're kept under strict charge that they keep them to themselves. But when God reveals these things to his witness, um, his witness is told to be bold in teaching these things. Not these quotes, but actually the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And they, are, they, they will be revealed in the last times, as this says, and this is Joseph Smith speaking in History of the, of the Church, Volume 4, pages 209 and 210. Continuing on, Joseph Smith, God hath not revealed anything to Joseph, calling himself by name, but what he will make known unto the twelve, and even the least saint may know all things as fast as he is able to bear them, History of the Church, Volume 3, page 380. That which is of God is light, and he that receiveth light and continueth in God receiveth more light, and more light groweth brighter and brighter until the perfect day. And, and again, verily I say unto you, and I say it that you may know the truth, that you may chase darkness from among you. Doctrine and Covenants, section 50 page 24 and 25 now from the book of mormon and there are many and there are many among us who have had uh, who have many revelations so that that's the church members that have revelations for they are not for they are not all stiff-necked and as many as are not lift are not stiff-necked and have faith have communion with the Holy Spirit, which make, maketh manifest unto the children of men according to their faith. Jerem chapter 1, verse 4. The light shineth in darkness, and the dark, darkness comprehendeth it not. Nevertheless, the day shall come when ye shall comprehend even God, being quickened in him and by him. Doctrine and Covenants, section 88, verse 49. I have something to say about that, too. The light that shines in the darkness is an individual who is the light in the darkness that comes in the last days. And the darkness comprehends it not. And it's the same thing with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was a light in the darkness for his days, but this other light that comes forth in the last days is the Davidic servant. And... And most people will not recognize him for who he is. Continuing on. Uh, it talks about this in Isaiah too, but this is DNC 88 verse 49. Continuing on. Draw near unto me and I will draw near unto you. Seek me diligently and ye shall find me. Ask and ye shall receive. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Whatsoever ye ask the Father in my name, it shall be given unto you. That is expedient for you. Doctrine and Covenants, section 88, again, verses 63 and 64. Continuing on in the words of Joseph Smith, If you do write, there is no danger of going too fast. And are he said he did not care how fast we run in the path of virtue. Resist evil and there is no danger. The words of Joseph Smith, by Andrew E. Hatt and the other person I can't remember. Anyway, that's pages 117. In the teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, it says, 
I want to see truth in all its bearing and hug it to my bosom. I believe all that God ever revealed, and I never hear a man of being damned for believing too much, but they are damned for unbelief. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 373. Continuing on in the words of Joseph Smith, But without faith it is impossible to please God, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a revealer to those who diligently seek him. Words of Joseph Smith, pages 40 and 41. In the Doctrine and Covenants we read, Therefore he that lacketh wisdom, let him ask of me, and I will give him liberally or freely, and upbraid him not, which is James chapter 1, verse 5, but also DNC 42, verse 68. And all it means, I will give him liberally and upbraid him not, meaning he will give it to you freely and he will not scold you or punish you for asking. That's what that means. Most people don't know. The things of God are of deep import, and time and experience and careful and ponderous and solemn thoughts can only find them out. Thy mind, O man, if thou wilt lead a soul unto salvation, must stretch as high as the utmost heavens and search into the and contemplate the darkest abyss and the broad expanse of eternity. Thou must commune with God. History of the Church, Volume 3, page 295. And then we're going to be reading... Let's see here. We're going to be reading... Uh, into page 18 with this next quote. Um, Wherefore murmur ye, because that ye shall receive more of my word, and because that I have spoken one word, ye need not suppose that I cannot speak another, for my work is not finished. Neither shall it be until the end of man, neither from that time henceforth and forever, Second Nephi chapter 29, verses 8 and 9. So that's page 17 into a little bit of page 18 of this book. Okay, so this is page 18. Continuing on page 18. And this is from Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith. If we have direct revelation given us from heaven, surely those revelations were never given to, to be trifled with without the triflers incurring displeasure and vengeance upon his own head. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 53. And from the words of Joseph Smith, he says, Verily, brethren, there are things in the bosom of the Father that have been kept, have been hid from the foundation of the world that are not known, neither can be except by direct revelation. The apostles say unto them who have obtained like precious faith with us the apostles through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue add faith virtue and to godliness brotherly kindness charity Ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hold on here. Let me turn this down. Somebody's trying to message me on my uh, on my tablet. 
let's see here. Ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he that lacketh these things is blind. Wherefore, the, the rather brethren, after all this, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. Knowledge is necessary to life and godliness. Woe unto you priests and divines who preach the knowledge that knowledge is not necessary to... Uh, necessary unto life and salvation. Take away apostles, take away knowledge, and you will find yourselves worthy of of the damnation of hell. Knowledge is revelation. Hear all ye brethren this grand key. Knowledge is the power of God unto salvation. Words of Joseph Smith, page 206 and 207. It is the privilege of the children of God to come to God and get revelation. When any man, when any person receives a vision of heaven, he sees things he never thought of before. That's true. Any person that believes the works I I do, shall he do also and greater works. The Father could not be glorified in the Son or any other on any other principle than we come into than we coming to God, asking, receiving heaven's open visions, etc. And they are done away because of unbelief. Words of Joseph Smith, page thirteen and fourteen. In the history of the church, Joseph Smith. A person may profit by noticing the first intimations of the spirit of revelation. For instance, when you feel uh, pure intelligence flowing into you, it may give you a sudden stroke of ideas so that by noticing it, you you may find it fulfilled the same day or soon. Those things that are presented, presented, unto your mind by the Spirit of God will come to pass, and thus by learning the Spirit of God and understanding it, you may grow into the principle of revelation until you become perfect in Christ Jesus. History of the Church, Volume 3, page 381. So basically, he's just saying that you can all get revelation for yourselves. You do not need to put your trust in man. What you need to do is go to God. The prophets can teach you, but you need to make sure that you get the correct interpretation of Scripture for yourself and take it to God himself to get confirmation on what you believe you're hearing or learning and that we can all become prophets. And it just reminds me of Moses when the two uh, prophets were prophesying in the camp and People were like, oh, what are you going to do about this, Moses? And, and Moses says, God would that all his children were prophets. So, let's see here. Okay, the next quote is from History of the Church by Joseph Smith. It is a great thing to inquire at the hands of God to, or to come into his presence. And we feel fearful to approach him on subjects that are of little or no consequence to satisfy our queries of individuals, especially about things the knowledge of which men ought to obtain in all sincerity before God for themselves in humility by the prayer of faith and more especially a teacher 
or a high priest in the church. History of the Church, Volume 1, page 339. And again, one great privilege of the priesthood is to obtain revelations of the mind and will of God. History of, of the Church, Volume 2, page 477. Also in the History of the Church, Volume 5, we see, He will be inquired of by his children. He says, Ask and ye shall receive, knock and ye shall find. Who will listen to my voice and the voice of my servants whom I have sent? For I delight in those who seek diligently to know my precepts and abide my laws in of my kingdom for all things shall be made made known unto them in mine own due time and in the end they shall have joy history of the church volume 5 page 136 continuing joseph smith a man is saved no faster than he gets knowledge history of the church volume 4 page 588 Continuing on in history of the church, volume one, search the scriptures, search the revelations which we, we publish, and ask your heavenly Father in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, to manifest the truth unto you. And if you do it with an eye single, single to his glory, nothing doubting, he will answer you by the power of his Holy Spirit. You will then know for yourselves and not for another meaning you're not going to have to trust in the arm of flesh. You go to God. You will not then be dependent on man for the knowledge of God, nor will there be any room for speculation. No. For when men receive their instructions from him that made them, they know how he will save them. History of the Church, Volume 1, page 282. And then the last quote on page 18. When things that are of greatest import are passed over by weak-minded men without even a thought, then I want to see truth in all its bearings and hug it to my bosom. So the thought that came to me as I was reading this, the thing that, that came to me as I was reading this is that God is not going to reveal things to people that they're not ready for and if he knows that they will completely turn their back on him because of whatever reason he's not going to reveal things to those individuals because they would be more damned by having the information that he would have given to them if they if they were worthy but because they're he knows that they're not going to be able to take it um, he withholds information from a, a grand majority of the people because he doesn't want you to be more damned than you already are because he loves you so anyway that's page uh, 18 of this book and we will go on to the next page okay page 19 we believe all that God has revealed all that he does now reveal and we believe that he will yet reveal many great and important things pertaining to the kingdom of God ninth article of faith of the church of Jesus Christ and that was Joseph Smith who wrote that. In the History of the Church, Volume 5, it says, Many things are insoluble to the children of men in the last days. For instance, that God should raise up the dead, and forgetting that, he, that things 
have been hid from before the foundation of the world, which are to be revealed to babes in the last days. There are a many, there are a many, there are a great many wise men and women too in our midst who are too wise to be taught. Therefore, they must die in their ignorance and the resurrection will find, in the resurrection, they will find their mistake. Many seal up the door of heaven by saying, so far God may reveal and I will believe. History of the Church, volume 5, page 424. In the words of Joseph Smith, it says, Now what am I after this, after is that? Now what I am after the knowledge of God and take my own course to obtain it. Words of Joseph Smith, page 329. Also in that same book, no one can truly say he knows God until he has handled something, and this can only be in the holiest of holies. Words of Joseph Smith, page 119 and 120. And I believe what he's trying to say right there is that that God, you can't know God until you've met him face to face completely. I mean, you can get the revelations and everything, but when you meet him face to face, that's when you'll re- be revealed a great many things. That's my thoughts on that. I might be wrong, but this can only happen in the Holy of Holies or in the temple. So in Nauvoo, it said that the Father had to come and restore the fullness of the priesthood himself. And I believe at that point, Zion would have been redeemed, but the saints were disobedient, and that never did happen in the Nauvoo temple. Jesus didn't even go to that temple. No angel went to that temple. Anyway, continuing on. Brigham Young. So this is from Brigham Young, Journal of Discourses. Where is the divine who knows the least thing about being who, that being who is the father of our spirits and the author of our bodies? Oh, Adam God Doctrine, the author of our bodies and the father of our spirits. I have had many revelations that I have seen and heard for myself and know these things are true and nobody on earth can disprove them. What I know concerning God, concerning the earth, concerning governments, I have received from the heavens, not alone through my natural ability, and I give God the glory and the praise. Journal of Discourses, Volume 16, page 46. Brigham Young also said, The spirit of revelation can reach, can reveal these things to the people, but unless they live so as to have the revelations of Lord Jesus Christ, they will remain a mystery, for there is a veil before the minds of the people, and they cannot be understood. Some of these principles have been taught to the Latter-day Saints, but who can understand them? Journal of Discourses, Volume 13, page 264. Continuing on with Brigham Young, I tell you this as my belief about that personage who is called the Ancient of Days, the Prince and so on, but I do not tell it because that I wish to be established in the minds of others, though to me this is as clear as the sun. It is as plain as the as my alphabet. I understand it as I do the path to go home. 
I did not understand so until my mind became enlightened with the Spirit and by the revelations of God. Neither will you understand until our Father in heaven reveals all these things unto you. To my mind and to my feelings, those matters are all plain and easy to be understood. That's from Joseph, that's from Brigham Young, April 25th, 1855, in Church Archives. See also Dialogue, Volume 15, Number 1, page two, uh, 22 and 23. Here's a bit of a longer quote from Brigham Young, which is going to go into the next page. And it's so long on the next page that what we're going to do is we'll read part of this quote and then the next part will be uh, saved for the next page. They must pass through the same ordeals as the gods or the Elohim. So Jehovah is our Elohim. He is one of the Elohim, one of the mighty ones or one of the El or gods. That they may know good from evil, how to succor the tempted, Try and weak, um, tried and weak, the tempted tried and weak, and how to teach down the hand of mercy to save the falling, sin- the falling sinner. The Lord has revealed his gospel and instituted its ordinances that the inhabitants of the earth may be put in, in possession of eternal life, but few of them, however, will accept it. I have preached it to many thousands of them who are naturally just as honest as I am, but though, or but through tradition, there is an overwhelming prejudice in their minds, which debars them of all that liberty I have in my heart. They would be glad to know the ways of God and to know who Jesus is and to reap the reward of the faithful if they have the stamina. I will call it the independence of mind necessary to embrace the truth, to say, I know this is true. And if there is no other person on the face of the earth who will defend it, I will, I will to the last. I will defend it to the last. But this is not in their hearts. It is not in their organization. Consequently, they do not manifest it. There is no mystery to me in what God has revealed to me or in what I have learned, whether it has, ma- uh, it has been through Joseph, Joseph Smith, or an angel, the voice of the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, or the Spirit of the Lord. So there's two differences between the Spirit of the Lord and the Holy Ghost. No matter how I have learned a thing, if I understand it perfectly, it is no mystery to me. Some may say to me, why, Brother Brigham, Brigham, you seem to know it all. I say, oh, no, I know but very little, but I have an eternity of knowledge before me, and I never expect to see the time when I shall cease to learn. Never, no, never. But I expect to keep on learning forever and ever, going on from exaltation to glory, our exaltation to exaltation, glory to glory, power to power, ever pressing forward to greater and higher attainments, as the gods do. That is an idea that drowns the entire Christian world in a moment. Let them try to entertain it, entertain it, and they are out of sight of, and they are out of sight of land without a ship. 
I'm just going to finish this paragraph. And if they had a ship, it would would have neither sail, rudder, nor compass. What say they? God progress? Now do not do not lariat the God I have that I serve and say that he cannot learn anymore. I do not believe in such a character. Why say they do does not the Lord know it all? Well, if he does, he must know an immense amount. Um, so for that page, um, Bruce R. McConkie said that it was a heresy that that God is still learning, that he knows everything, all of it, all the time, forever and ever and whatever. But Brigham Young is saying something else here. But then again, Bruce R. McConkie said that Brigham Young taught seven deadly heresies, this being one of them. So, I don't know, it's all interesting information. Thank you for watching this video and uh, listening to the podcast. All right. So we're on page 20 now, and we're continuing on with this Brigham Young quote. No matter about that, the mind of man does not uh, does not reach that any more than it comprehends the heavens beyond the bounds of time and space in which the Christian ex- expects to sit and sing themselves away to everlasting bliss and where they say they shall live forever and ever and forever. We, if we look forward, we can actually comprehend a little of the idea that we shall live forever and ever. But you take, but you take a rear sight and try to contemplate and meditate upon the fact that there never was a beginning, and you are, you are lost at once. The present and the future we can comprehend some little about, but the past is all blank. And it is right and reasonable that it should be so. But if we are faithful in the things of God, they will open up and open up and open up our mind. Our mind will expand, reach forth and receive more and more. And by and by, we can begin to see that the gods have been forever and ever. Deseret Weekly News. And that is uh, volume 22, page 308 and 309, which was given on or published on June 18, 1873. So Brigham Young had an idea of these things, but he had an idea of these things because of what he was taught by Joseph Smith. So his thoughts are, are not complete as far as his knowledge, but he had more knowledge than most. Anyway, continuing on with Brigham Young and Journal of Discourses, I know just as well what to teach this people is what is just what to say to them and what to do in order to bring them into the celestial kingdom. As I know the road to my office, it is just as plain and easy. The Lord is in our midst. He teaches the people continually. I have never yet preached a sermon and sent it out to the children of men that they may not call scripture. Let me have the privilege of correcting a sermon. He's talking about, he's, he was the editor-in-chief of the Journal of Discourses. And this is why the Journal of Discourses, if you believe Brigham Young was a true servant of God, like the fact that you don't accept them as a church and you, you try to downplay them, that, like, 
let me have the privilege, he says, of correcting a sermon, and it is as good a scripture as they deserve. The people have the oracles of God continually. Journal of Discourses, volume 13, page 95. And once again, the oracles of God is that God gives a prophet a word to deliver to the people. And Brigham Young didn't have that. And he was not the oracle of God. So a lot of modern-day leaders from Brigham Young on, they wanted to say that they were the oracles of God, and this is simply not true. An oracle of God is the word of God is delivered by the prophet of God to the people of God. But anyway, continuing on with Brigham Young again, and this is a longer quote, excuse me, when you see Zion redeemed and built up, when you see the people performing the ordinances of salvation for themselves and for others, and they will hereafter, you will see simply this. But I have not time this morning to tell you only a little part of it. About the time the temple of the Lord will be built and Zion is established pretty nigh this time, you will see, those of you who are faithful enough, and first you know, There will be strangers in your midst walking with you, talking to you, and they will enter into your houses and eat and drink with you, go to meeting with you, and begin to open your minds, as the Savior did, to the two disciples who walked in the country in days of old. So he's talking about the disciples who walked with Jesus on the road to Emmaus. At the time the temples are ready, the strangers will be along and will converse with you and will inquire of you, probably if you understand the resurrection of the dead. <clears throat> you might say you have, had, have heard and read a great deal about it, but you do not properly understand it. They will then open your mind and tell you the principles of the resurrection of the dead and how to save your friends. They will point out scriptures in the Old and the New Testament, in the Book of Mormon, and other revelations of God, saying, Do not you recollect reading so-and-so, and and the Savior should come up on Mount Zion, and they will expound the scriptures to you. You have got your temples ready. Now go forth and be baptized for those good people there are your your father and your mother, your ancestors, for many generations back to the people that have lived upon the face of the earth since the priesthood was taken away. Thousands, thousands and millions of them who have lived according to the best light knowledge in their possession. They will expound the scriptures to you and open your mind and teach you of the resurrection of the just and of the unjust, of the doctrine of salvation, And they will use the keys of the holy priesthood and lock the door of knowledge to let you look into the palace of truth. And you will exclaim that it is all plain. Why did did I not understand this before? And you will begin to feel your heart burn within you as they walk and talk with you. You enter the temple of the Lord, where, when by and by there come along Brother Joseph and Brother Hiram, for instance, and they will be perfectly capable of coming and staying overnight with you, and you know not who they are, or the purpose, 
or purpose David Pattern. Patton, so he was the first martyr of the church, should come along and shake hands with some of the twelve and want to say all night with them and expound the scriptures and reveal the hidden things of God. It will not be long before this will be so. Journal of Discourses, Volume 6, page 294 through 296. And C. Brigham didn't really understand the timelines, but I don't think a lot of us understand the correct timelines. Anyway, so this next quote goes into page 21. I'll start it. Now I want to tell you that that which perhaps many of you do not know should you receive a vision of the revelation of the revelation from the almighty one that the lord gave you concerning yourself yourselves or this people but which you are not to reveal on account of your not being the proper person or because it ought to be and ought not to be known by the people at present you should shut it up and seal it close as close and lock it as tight as heaven is to you and make it a secret as the grave. <clears throat> the Lord has no confidence in those who reveal secrets for he cannot reveal safely, safely reveal himself to such persons. That's interesting here because Brigham did understand that you might get a revelation from God but you should keep your mouth shut about it because you might not be the person who is meant to reveal that to the world. That's like what I've been saying with the Davidic servant. It is not for uh, certain individuals to reveal these things, like Nephi was not to reveal what John saw, even though Nephi saw it before John was even born, because John was foreordained to see these things himself. And... um, You know, it is what it is. Like, there's certain things that the Davidic servant is meant to proclaim boldly because it was his uh, it was his foreordination that gave him the right to do that. So, all right, so we're on page 21. Okay, so page 21, I think. Yeah, 21. It is as much as he can do to get a particle of sense into some of the best and most influential men in the church in regard to real confidence in themselves. They cannot keep things within their own bosom. If a person understands God and godliness, the principles of heaven, the principles of integrity, and the Lord reveals anything to that individual no matter what, unless he gives permission to disclose it, it is locked up in eternal silence. So God can give the mysteries to the individuals, but the person who has been given the okay to go forward, that person has the right to declare these things to the people, even if the people don't accept them or understand them. However, some people have been given the information and they have kept it locked up in their bosom. And when the Davidic servant comes forth and starts talking about these things, they say, oh, This man understands things that I understand by revelation. Anyway, continuing on. When persons have proven to their messengers that their bosoms are like the lockups of eternity, 
then the Lord says, I can reveal anything to them because they will never disclose, they never will disclose it until I tell them to. Take persons of any other character and they sap the foundation of the confidence they ought to have in themselves and in their God. If we are his friends, we will keep the secrets of the Almighty. We will lock them up in when he reveals them to us so that no man on earth can have them and no being in heaven unless he brings the keys wherewith to get them legally. No person can get them no person can get the things of the Lord has given to men unless by legal authority. Then I have a right to reveal them, but not without. When when we can keep our own secrets, we when we can keep the secrets of the Almighty strictly, honestly, truly in our own bosoms, the Lord will have confidence in us. Will he before? No. Are we going to become secret keepers in any other way than by applying our lives to religion, the religion that we profess to believe? No. Journal of Discourses, Volume 4, page 288 and 289. Continuing with Brigham Young. If God has given me light and I possess the light of the spirit of revelation and bestow that knowledge upon my brethren... The same foundation increases in me, whereas if I were to shut it up, to close up the vision and keep it shut from the people, it would be like a candle lit, lighted and put under the bushel, where, of course, the want of free air would extinguish it. Journal of Discourses, Volume 4, page 265 and 266. Continuing on with Brigham Young in the Journal of Discourses, Volume 3. Let me he, let, here let me give you one lesson that you may be profitable to many. If the Lord Almighty should reveal to a high priest or to any other than the head things that are or that have been and will be and show to him the destiny of this people 25 years from now, or a new doctrine that will be in 5, 10, or 20 years hence become the doctrine of the church and the kingdom, but which has not yet been revealed to this person, to this people, and reveal it to him by the same spirit, the same messenger, the same voice, the same power that gave revelation to Joseph Smith when he was living, it would be a blessing to that high priest or to that individual but he must rarely divulge it to the second person on the face of the earth until God reveals it through the proper source to become the property of the people at large. Journal of Discourses, Volume 3, page 319. Continuing on with Journal of Discourses, Volume 9, Brigham Young stated, I am more afraid that this people have so much confidence in their leaders that they will not inquire for themselves of God whether they are led by him, whether the leaders, whether the leaders are led by him. I am fearful they will settle down in a state of blind self-security, trusting their eternal destiny in the hands of their leaders with the reckless confidence that in itself would thwart the purposes of God in their salvation and weaken that influence they could give to their leaders. Did they know 
for themselves by revelation of Jesus Christ that they are led in the right way, let every man and woman know by the whisperings of the Spirit of God to themselves whether their leaders are walking in the path the Lord dictates or not. So that one quote right there shows that the the leaders of the church can lead the people astray, and Brigham Young is is telling them, you know, you guys got to be careful here. You got to know these things by the revelation of God, and not just because I'm telling you these things, or their leaders in the future are telling you these things. All right, we're going on to Orson Pratt now. Orson Pratt. Let's see here. This is Journal of Discourses, Volume 16. Nephi says, I ponder upon the things of God continually, which he has revealed unto me, and there is no harm for us to do the same. We should not get into that old sectarian notion that we have no right to know anything about this, that or the other, and that we must pry into this, that or the other. Hold on. I have a pouting three-year-old. Arius? You cannot bring that over here. Go ask Emmett to open it, okay? I am making a video and doing a recording, okay? Go ask Emmett to do it. He will do it for you. Go on. I'm just, I'm not going to be re-recording every time he comes over and interrupts me. So, he's a three-year-old. And he loves his daddy. <laughs> anyway, let's see here. That is an old sectarian notion which we have fought against all the day long and we do not want it to creep into the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It is the privilege of its members to let their minds expand and ponder upon the things of God and to inquire of Him and by and by we are, when we have prepared ourselves by getting all the knowledge we possibly can from that which is written, God will give us more. Journal of Discourses, Volume 16, page 336. So we're on page uh, 22 now. So we're on page 22, and we have 22 and 23, and then we'll be in Chapter 3, and then I'll finish my recordings for this session. Try to do one chapter a day, but I've done two today in the preface, so. All right, this is John Taylor. The scriptures tell us where, where, tell us there are God's many and Lord's many. That's Psalms 82. But we have, but to us there is but one God, the Father. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5, but also Psalms 82. And for this reason, there, though there were others engaged in the creation of the world, and it is given to us in the Bible in the shape that it is for the fullness of these truths only is only revealed to highly favored persons for certain reasons known to God. See, there's certain people who are foreordained to even know this stuff. As we are told in scriptures, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him and he will show them his covenant psalms twenty five fourteen and that comes from the mediation and the atonement page ninety three written by John Taylor, continuing on with John Taylor, the philosophers of the world understand something to the rules of nature natural philosophy, 
but those rules never lead man to the knowledge of God. If he ever obtains this knowledge, it must be by the principle of revelation. All the works of God, whether on the earth or in the heavens, are constructed on strictly philosophical principles. We understand in part the things of of the uh, of earth when we see the things of god as god sees them we shall then understand the philosophy of the heavens the mysteries of eternity will be unfolded and the operations of of mind matter spirit purpose and design cause and effects and all the stupendous operations of god will be developed and they will be found to accord with the strictest principles of philosophy, even the philosophy of the heavens. Journal of Discourses, Volume 10, pages 117 and 118. I'm just going to fix this real quick here. (coughs) All right. All right. That was Journal of Discourses, uh, 10, 117, 118. The only reason why we do not comprehend many things that are revealed in former times is because we are not acquainted with the philosophy philosophy of heaven, nor the laws that govern the intelligences of the eternal worlds, the philosophy of man and of the earth and the things which with which we are surrounded is deep and it is obtruse. It is difficult to comprehend even by the most enlightened mind and the most comprehensive and and, enlarged intellect. So you can't logic your way to God. It's impossible. You have to get revelation for yourselves. And you have to be believing as a little child to get that too. You can't be so big in your own mind as some of these intellectuals are because they just don't get it and they never will. One great reason why men have stumbled so frequently in many of their researches after philosophical truth is that they have sought them by their own wisdom and gloried in their own intelligence and have not sought unto God for that wisdom that fills and governs the universe and regulates all things. Journal of Discourses, volume 11, page 74, and that was John Taylor, because we are in the John Taylor section right now. And the last John Taylor quote from the Journal of Discourses, volume 16, is, We believe that it is necessary for man to be placed in communication with God, that he should have revelation from him, and that unless he is placed under the influence of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he can know nothing about the things of God. He cannot understand certain things without the Spirit of God, and that necessarily necessarily intrudes the principle I before referred to, introduces, I'm sorry, the principle I before referred to, the necessity of revelation. Not revelation in former times, but present and immediate revelation, meaning you got to get revelation for yourself and stop trusting in your leaders to get it for you, which shall lead and guide those who possess it in all the paths of life here and to the eternal life hereafter. If I cannot have a religion that 
that will lead me to God and place me in rapport with him to unfold to my mind the principles of immortality and eternal life. I want nothing to do with it. Journal of Discourses, Volume 16, page 371. Now we're getting to Wilfred Woodruff. Well, say you say, the president of the church should give revelation. Yes, it is true. The president holds the keys of the revelation of the Latter-day Saints. But is he alone to give revelation? No, verily no. There is not an apostle in this church that is not an elder. There is not an elder in this church that stands up in this congregation to teach the people, but should be that should but that should be full of revelation. Oh, my camera just went out. That's fine. There is, there is whether your revelation should come from those who teach you day by day. There are, how many revelations did Brigham Young give that were written to the people? Very few. How many has John Taylor given that were written to the people? Very few. How many has Wilfred Woodruff given? Very few. We have had some though not revealed to the people, perhaps, or published. And that is from Brian Hill's study, Collected Discourses, Volume 5, Burbank, California, and Woodland Hills, Utah, BHP Publishing, 1987 and 1992, Volume 2, page 29. Okay. Not really a fan of that quote. I don't know where it comes from, but anyway... And then uh, George Q. Cannon will start off page 23. So we'll start a new video for that. And I'll be right back. So this is page 23, which is the last page that I'll be reading for today, which will conclude chapter 2. So this is George Q. Cannon from the Journal of Discourses. The The genius of the kingdom with which we are associated is to disseminate knowledge throughout all the ranks of the people and to make every man a prophet and every woman a prophetess. Awesome. Awesome. That they may understand the plans and purposes of God. Journal of Discourses, volume 12, page 46. And see, George Q. Cannon was an apostle in the early church, and they understood and they taught these principles, which are not being taught anymore. Okay? Continuing on, some men are continually prying into doctrine and trying to reveal mysteries, as President Woodruff referred to this morning, about the Godhead and other things. They want to know the great many mysteries now. If they will do that which lies before us, we will grow in knowledge and God will give us a, a revelation or give us revelation upon revelation and nothing will be concealed from us. And that's Brian Health Study, Collected Discourses, Volume 5. Uh, let's see, Volume 4, page 308. All right, now Spencer W. Kimball stated, Scripture study is commanded. The Lord is not trifling with us when he gives us these things. For unto whom whomsoever much is given of him shall much be required. Luke chapter 12, verse 48. 
access to these things means responsibility for them. We must study the scriptures according to the Lord's commandments. See 3 Nephi chapter 23 verses 1 through 5. And this is part of the reason why God condemns the saints that the, the bad things that happen go first out among the saints because they have been given more light and knowledge and have more responsibility in these things and they treat these things lightly and so God condemns them. God condemned us back in the 1830s and uh, we know that uh, in the Kirtland Revelation time period that we were condemned as a, as a people and also in DNC section 124 which was given in 1841 that if we were not obedient God would curse us and reject us as a church with our dead that's in DNC section 124 <clears throat> continuing on one cannot receive eternal life without becoming a doer of the word see James chapter 1 verse 22 and being valiant in the obedience to the Lord's commandments and one cannot become a doer of the word without first becoming a hearer and to become a hearer, not only, not simply to stand idly by and wait to, for a chance bit of information, it is to seek out and study and pray and comprehend. The Lord teachings, the Lord's teachings have always been to those who have eyes to see and ears to hear, and the voice is clear and unmistakable, and against those who neglect so great an opportunity, the witness is sure. Understanding requires desire and patience. One's faith can be strengthened by a program involving several elements by reading the scriptures with a happy frame of mind and desiring to absorb additional truths. This reading need be done with a constructive attitude, a reaching for truth, and a ready acceptance of it. As one reads something which does not, for the moment, seem to have meaning he can put it put that i he can put that item on the shelf and move forward with the reading in most instances the additional information gained and faith developed seem to provide the background so that the ununderstandable item falls naturally into place if anything seems to counter previous concepts one can read and study and ponder and pray and wait and it usually and usually a clarification comes. And that is uh, Spencer W. Kimball, teachings of the prophet Spencer, teachings of Spencer W. Kimball uh, from Bookcraft, pages 127 to 136. <clears throat> and then Truman Manson, who I actually have, I will show you. For those of you who are watching the video, I love this. So this is my Book of Mormon. And right there, if you can see it, uh, right there, that is Truman G. Matson's autograph. I love that man. We talked about trucking when I met him, and he thought that that would be so fun to be able to do what I do. And that was like 15 years ago. And I, I just told him, like, I used the time in the truck to study and to ponder scriptures. And he thought that was just great. But anyway, here's some quotes from Truman G. Matson, Or one quote, anyway, by him. 
Oral tradition attributes another wise maxim to the prophet. Don't climb to the extreme branches of the tree, for there is danger of falling. Cling close to the trunk. One translation, avoid the vain mysteries and, dis- and the discussion of them. So don't go to high priest group meeting. <laughs> Inside joke. Those who know, know. Avoid imaginative speculation. But Joseph Smith, one must quickly add and make a distinction between the mysteries of godliness, that is, the deeper things that can only be known by the revelation to the soul. On the how of living a godly life and the speculative pursuit of matters that are without profit to the soul. I advise all to go on to perfection, he said, Joseph Smith said, and search deeper and deeper into the mysteries of godliness. The vain mysteries are those of which we know nothing and need not know anything whatever. For example, the pearly great, do the pearly great gates swing or roll, or what is the ultimate destiny of the sons of perdition? And that comes from Cling Close, Cling Close to the Trunk by Truman G. G. Madsen in his pro, uh, book, uh, Joseph Smith the Prophet, which is an awesome book which was uh, published in 1989. You can get that at Deseret Book or um, Seagull Book and Tape. Uh, I highly, highly, highly suggest listening to his stuff. It's very good. Anyway, that's page uh, 104, I'm sorry. Anyway, so the next chapter that we're going to get into, uh, starting on page 23, but actually 24, is chapter 3, Prayer, the Greater Key to Knowledge. The greater key to knowledge. So, anyway, that's all I'm doing for today. I've done a ton of videos today, and I'm going to put this into my uh, this recording on the podcast, my audio recording, audio recording into uh, the program for tonight, which uh, I'm going to talk about reincarnation, and uh, then I'm going to get into this, the doctrine of eternal lives. So anyway, I hope that everybody has a wonderful evening and I hope that you like, share and subscribe these things. They're beneficial to you so that others can know about them. To he who has been warned, it is given to warn his neighbor. And we all need to learn to get revelation for ourselves. Thank you for listening. Okay, so that is the recordings that I prepared this morning and last Friday. And I will try to get some more out by tomorrow. Hopefully I can get them done. I do have to do some things today that's going to keep me busy. So I might just have to get up early in the morning and record again before my family gets up. Um, But yeah, uh, I don't know when I'll drop the next one. Uh, it'll be in the next couple of days so so we'll get into the next chapters which would be chapters 4 of reincarnation and possibly chapter 3 of uh, teachings of the doctrines of eternal lives so I like that book Uh, I wish I talked to the person that shared it with me about getting it published uh, the individual that Put it together. Uh, wants to stay anonymous, 
That's why it's not published. Um, and he's doing that to protect himself from ignorant people in the church that thinks, even though he's quoting all of these teachings of the prophets uh, in our dispensation and of the presence of the church in our dispensation, people have a problem with things that they don't understand and they want to reject them out of hand. Uh, and you know what? These mysteries aren't for everyone, you know. Um, but they were revealed in part in this dispensation, and they have been revealed to me uh, in this dispensation, like I said, in 2010 or 2011. I remember, I'm pretty sure it was 2010, but it could have been the last part of that year. I was living up in uh, Everett, Washington, and Moses Lake, Washington, at the time that God revealed these things to me. <clears throat> So, and I got confirmation of the spirit on these things. And like, I, I don't know what to think about um, limited reincarnation within this earth round. It's like, I don't know. Well, a lot of people believe it. A lot of people believe that Joseph Smith is coming back a second time and that he's on the earth right now in mortality. Um, I have a friend who I know gets revelation and visions from God, and um, she's from New Zealand, but she's lived in Australia for the last 10 years, and um, I haven't gotten confirmation on this part, but I have gotten confirmation on other things that she has said, uh, confirmation to the Holy Spirit, and she believes that all of the major prophets of old, including those in our dispensation and the leaders, the righteous leaders, um, we're all on the earth now. And we are, uh, for the most part, all in mortality except for a few um, because they have specific jobs to do and that we're all on the earth now um, and that we're waking up. Um, now, I don't know if that's true or not. I had uh, an individual try to tell me that they knew that I was Enoch and that I came back later as Elijah and then John the Baptist, and now I'm back on the earth uh, to do the work that I'm supposed to do as an Elias again for uh, Messiah ben David, which is Yeshua HaMashiach or Jesus the Christ. Now, I don't know if I'm those individuals. I do know who I am now. I, it was, I've been showed, shown <laughs> directly by the Father um, in uh, January of 2013. I was very upset about what was going on at that time with uh, my stake president calling me a bald-faced liar, even though he could have checked with El Palm Perry, um, who interviewed me about this specific some of the specific things that I talk about, the visions uh, where God brought me up into the Holy of Holies of the Father in the Salt Lake Temple and told me I would be the last prophet before Jesus Christ came. That was in, that was in 1995 that that happened, and then I was converted to the Restoration and Joseph Smith in 96. I was very anti-Mormon before that because... 
I had been baptized into the LDS Church, but I uh, had a lot of bad experiences and became a Southern Baptist and uh, went down that road for for a couple years. And um, God, God brought me back to the Restoration and revealed to me that Joseph Smith is a true prophet and that the Book of Mormon is inspired scripture. And uh, I converted in 96, in the fall of 96. And then I got my patriarchal blessing in 97 where it said that I, that I have been, not that I would be, but I have been given the gift of eternal life. And I kept asking, what does this mean? And I had a specific stake president and um, uh, institute teacher and the stake patriarch um, all confirmed that this means that I've had my calling and election made sure. And uh, as I was asking God about these things in 2003, I, I was taken up in the flesh and I saw the Father and the Son face to face. And I was sealed up unto eternal life under the hands of the Father and given the fullness of the priesthood and the keys to do the job that God has me to, uh, has ordained me to do. So, um, and over time, I've learned a lot of things by revelation and by vision. Um, but at that specific time in 2012 and 2013, um, God, uh, I was asking why certain things were happening to me because I was being attacked uh, by the state president in Vermont. And uh, he said that... Uh, that I was a bald-faced liar and that they didn't need me at my trial of love <laughs> and uh, that I'd be excommunicated. And I was like, why is this happening to me? And Heavenly Father came to me and he said, kneel down before me and ask me who you are. And when I said, Heavenly Father, who am I? Uh, he showed me who I am, which basically completed a lot of puzzle pieces that I had not really understood. And he had tried to reveal to me that I was one mighty and strong at least one of them, and I, I didn't want to hear it. So it took his himself personally coming down and saying, "You need to kneel down before me and ask me who you are." And that's when I finally accepted it. When he showed me who I am and why I was called, why I was ordained to do this, um, so I know exactly who I am in that aspect. But as far as like being Enoch and Elijah and John the Baptist, I don't know. I don't know anything about limited uh, reincarnation or li limited mortal probations uh, on in the same earth cycle. Uh, it seems to contradict some scripture, like, for instance, we are appointed once to die and then, uh, and then the judgment. So I don't know how to fit these things into into what my beliefs are because I am still trying to study it out for myself and trying to learn and grow just like we all are. And I think that it's good for me to um, read the one book, but then it's even more beneficial for me to read that book on um, the doctrine of eternal lives because there's a lot more to this subject than what most people believe. And 
I think that, and that, you know, when I, when God told me some of the things that he told me, um, hold on here. When God told me some of the things that he told me, um, he said that there was more to it, but he did not reveal it to me at this time, even all the way up to this time. But he's given me enough to know about as far as, yes, we do, uh, we are able to put off our resurrection uh, when the new earth that John saw in the book of Revelations is created and go into another mortal probation so that we can learn and grow and gain more experience to obtain a higher resurrection. And this is a process that happens on different worlds. But he said there was more to it than that. So I think there might be a limited, um, like for certain people, they have specific missions that they will come back into mortality and fulfill those things. Like with this idea that Joseph Smith is coming back into mortality and he's alive on the earth right now. I don't know who that is. I do not believe I'm that individual. Um, but I think there's a lot of evidence for it. And um, other people that have more information on that can make a better argument about that so like i uh, i don't like or agree with everything that the people that run hemlock knots talk about or or believe but i think that there's a lot of good stuff in what they believe and talk about that i will suggest people listening to them so hemlock knots is a podcast and a youtube video and they go over some of the deeper questions of the restoration. I think they get off onto some things that I don't agree with, like, for instance, Joseph Smith being the Davidic servant. And the reason why I don't agree with that is because Joseph Smith was a pure Ephraimite. And in Genesis chapter 49, when, jo uh, when Jesus Christ reveals, or when, when jo um, Jacob gives the blessing to Joseph in Genesis 49. He says that the scepter of power will not depart from Judah until Shiloh comes. And then we know in other places that it's actually Ephraim that has the birthright, not Judah. Um, but there's a place for Judah and there's a place for Ephraim. But the thing about it is the scepter of power did not depart from Judah when John the Baptist had it. Or when Jesus Christ had it, he was a member of the house of Judah, and so were Peter, James, and John. But when it, but when the keys of power, or the scepter of power, was was given to Joseph Smith uh, as part of the restoration, they were given from a from a Jew of the house of Judah to a pure Ephraimite, who was Joseph Smith, who was Scottish, not English. A lot of people think he was English. He, he actually was Scottish, and the, his um, ancient, the Smith name was a, of a Scottish spelling, and then it was changed to an English spelling, probably because of the persecution that the Scots had when they came to, uh, you know, this continent. I'm not sure exactly why. I've read a bunch of stuff on it, but it just, it's slipping my mind at this time. But um, Joseph Smith was not of the house of David, and cannot be the Davidic servant. And Joseph Smith is the only prophet that fulfills the requirement that the house 
that the scepter of power would not depart from Judah until Shiloh comes. Joseph Smith, being a pure Ephraimite, was Shiloh and the fulfillment of uh, at least part of Genesis chapter 49, where it talks about Joseph and his posterity being led away from the rest of his brethren to the utmost bounds of the everlasting hills, which is the is the promised land or the um, the land that was like the in, uh, inheritance for the tribe of Joseph, which is Ephraim and Manasseh. And this land that we live on in North America, I'm, I'm in North America, is the utmost bounds of the everlasting hills that Jacob saw that he said that these things would take place on. This is it right here. This is the true Israel North America is. Um, it's kind of funny that the land where Jerusalem is overseas uh, was called Judah all the way up until 1949 or 48 when they decided to name that land Israel, but it was kind of the bait and switch. It's not Israel. It's, it is Judea. Where Israel or where Jerusalem is, is is Judea. The northern kingdom was called Israel because the name and the birthright went with Ephraim. And Ephraim has that birthright even now, even right now. So, um, but the Davidic servant would be partly of the house of Ephraim and, and Manasseh, but would also be a direct descendant of King David through Jesse and Judah, the tribe of Judah. And so Joseph Smith, being a pure Ephraimite and from the house uh, and called Shiloh, uh, he fulfills that role then, but the Davidic servant would be of the house of Judah and Joseph. And there's a lot of confusion about that because uh, people want to try to like complete things and they, they want to say, well, we have this information and we have this knowledge and these mysteries, but it simply isn't right. But as God's children, he is not a, uh, he, he doesn't, everything is free to those who will seek him diligently and we can become prophets and get confirmation of the Holy Spirit so that we can know for ourselves the truth uh, of certain things and and also that certain things are not true and the Spirit will withdraw from us when we believe those those lies and we take it directly to the Father in simplicity, line upon line, precept upon precept, uh, as we take those things, like he's either going to confirm it, first he'll, he'll confirm it in your mind and then in your heart through the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's not in your mind, in your mind. So one of the Judas goats that I, I drives me insane, and he will not correct himself that he's teaching people, you know, you take it to the Lord and you tell God, um, you ask him a question, and then you take it to him and you say, okay, I believe this is true. <laughs> Excuse me. And then you say, Heavenly Father, I believe this is true. Is it true? And then you get a confirmation in your mind again, not in your heart, but in your mind. Yes, it's true. But Satan can whisper to our minds too, because God and Satan have the ability to give us revelation in our heads and in our thoughts. But 
when you seek for the confirmation of the Holy Spirit in the heart, you will feel the peace and the joy and the love of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is mentioned in Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23. And uh, if the thing that you believe is false, then you're not going to have that confirmation of spirit. But in it's either DNC 8 or 9, it says that we'll have a stupor of thought. And what that is is the spirit withdraws from you and you feel the buffetings of Satan and the fruit of Satan. And that is like depression, the exact opposite of the Holy Spirit, uh, despair, anxiety, anger, hatred, spite, these type of things. So as we seek for confirmation of the spirit and then the spirit withdraws from us, and we have the stupor of thought, which is the exact opposite of the fruit of the spirit, uh, we can know that the things that we believe are false, that we do not go to, to the Father and ask for revelation in our mind and get confirmation in our mind. That's, that is completely cutting out the fruit of the spirit. And the Judas goats will tell you that this is the way it should be done because they're trying to cut out um, the, the fruit of the spirit of the feelings that you receive in your heart for the confirmation because people have been so manipulated by, uh, by individuals in the past, uh, past that will try to give you tear-jerking feelings all the time, but they don't actually they, – they want you to believe that what they're saying is true because you feel all good and happy and everything, and, and that's emotionalism, and they work you up and into an emotionalism, and that is the not the confirmation of the Holy Spirit. So anyway, um, and that's one of the things that I teach, how to receive revelation and confirmation and how important it is for us individually to get confirmation on the different things that we receive so that we can know for ourselves the truth, not because we believe somebody else that talks and gives us stuff, but because we study that to the best of our ability. We ask for inspiration and revelation in our mind, and then we believe it, and we get confirmation of the Holy Spirit if it is true, and if it is false or we've perverted it in some way, the Spirit will withdraw from us, and we can know to reject those things and repent of believing false doctrine. So anyway, that is the end of the episode for today, and we will get into the music, and then I'm going to... uh, get some of the stuff done that I need to get done today. So let me just see here. I got out my studio. Oh, here it is. The closing music. Thank you everyone for listening. Take care. God bless. And goodbye.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.